a guy that wrote New York Times bestsellers called Silent No More. And then the devil hit me with vocal cord cancer. So folks say, why do you shout? Cause I can. I laid on my bed for two years and had to keep a little chalkboard and write what I needed to my wife and my children. I heard those words, cancer, strike fear in most hearts, but I got some prayer warriors. No, I got some folk who agree. I got some folk know where the horns of the altar are. You can't find those in most churches because most churches did away with their altars. Yeah, I can tell who goes to one of those. You got quiet really fast. Preacher, he has 30,000 or so members. He invited me over, wanted me to look at his church, go through his tabernacle. He called it a sanctuary. I call them tabernacles because the sanctuary is where you go to hide. A tabernacle is where God comes. He said, we want you to come and preach. So I was on the platform and I said, well, you got seats right up here within a foot of the platform. He said, yeah, those seats, people fight over those to get close to the front. I said, well, where's the altar? He said, well, we don't have one of those. I said, then you don't have PRP either. I don't go where there's no altar. Look, you don't even know what to do. If I was shouting some politician's name, you'd be losing your mind. Phil Driscoll told you they're all going to die anyway. And so are you. We have no eternal mentality. What my brother Phil was talking about, 99% of preachers don't know. God help those in the pews. But they told me, we don't know if you will ever put a microphone in one hand and a Bible in the other. I was silent for two years. And you're going to look down your religious nose at me because I'm trying to get folk to shout? You've been silent way too long. That's the reason you got homosexuals coming out of the closet while you running into the closet. We got an issue in America. We have a silent church, a silent clergy, a silent believer, secret service Christians. We got nobody clapping, so we got no authority. We got nobody shouting, so we got no victory. You mean to tell me, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, honey. We just talk straight and slow.
you mean to tell me that the same spirit that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Prince of Heaven. Kicked the end out of that thing, dipped his blood in his own ribbon side, invaded hell, dethroned every principality and power, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, has now taken up residence on the inside of your mortal body and you gotta be encouraged to You ain't got what I got. I'm gonna try again. You ain't got what I got, but you can get it tonight. Move your coffee table out the way. They said, they said, don't know, you may never speak again. Cancer covering the vocal cord of the man who wrote Silent No More. If y'all to listen to me then, we wouldn't be in the shape we're in now. That was it. 2004 and nobody they all patted me on the back while the CIA and the FBI were showing up in the middle of the night dragging my babies out of the bed and hiding us because of my preaching and you think you've done something because you posted some little quip on Twitter and they banned you. Bless your poor little heart. What do you think we did before there was Twitter? Or Facebook? I got four of them clapping. I've been in this thing for real. Skin in the game. Not growing my ministry through it. Losing my ministry through it. I didn't knock anybody out of my way. Up and down. Meeting with presidents. Fighting. For a ban on partial birth abortion. I begged preachers to go with me. You think any of them showed up? Nope. Now it's come back around, hadn't it? I was there in the room at his side when he signed the ban on partial birth abortion and then did nothing to back it up. I fought 
in the United States Congress, up and down the hallways, in and out of the offices, writing the books. I did, hold on now, hold on now. I did 1,100 interviews on major media outlets in less than three months. Nobody else would get booked. They were all kumbayaing somewhere. I fought to get the Sudan Peace Act signed after our ministry had spent the millions of dollars necessary to free 50,000 human persons from living in the chains of slavery. I, I didn't have to push anybody out of my way. I fought and made a man look me in the eye and promise me that marriage would continue to be the union of one man and one woman. Wait a minute. Then he got in office and didn't do one thing to protect marriage. So be careful who you shout for. Be careful what man's banner you wave. Because I only got one. And it's red from top to bottom and left to right because I found out only Jesus can change hearts. Promises are empty. I'm sorry. You got me and Phil in the same night. Go ahead and believe their promises. Here's how you can tell when they're lying. And it doesn't have anything to do with whether they got a D, R, an I following their name. Here's what it has to do with. You can tell when they're lying. You ready? Because I want y'all to tweet this. You can tell when they're lying when their mouth opens. And you can tell when it's truth, when it comes from the 1,166 pages of that old black book. Loved ones, please listen. I think you should know, if we meet not again in this world below, if death finds me missing and you don't understand, there's an old book by my bedside, honey. It will tell you where I am. And that's what we live for. And that's what we fight for. Watch me make all the religious folks mad. The apex of all Christian endeavor must become to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of our Savior. That the Lamb of God slain may receive the reward of His suffering. This not about you. This about Him. 
And Luke 15, 4 says, he'll leave the crowd and he'll hit the street and he'll find the crack addict and he'll find our children dying in the streets from fentanyl overdoses. He'll find those that are truly poor. And if you let him, he'll use you to change yourself, your family, your church, your neighborhood, your state, your city, America, and the world. Because we're about a world evangelism, not just an Americanized evangelism. I got a call from the White House. The day after a certain election, sitting in my conference room, it's not my message, I'm just warming up. You ever get a call from the White House? Yeah. I got a call from the White House the day after the election. I don't know what they said. I mean, I appreciate it, of course. But I don't know what they said. Because immediately when I hung up the phone, God spoke to me. The God of heaven and earth that rides the wild wings of the morning and builds his nest among the snow-capped peaks of mighty mountains. That God that said, I'll raise one up and sit another down. That God. He spoke to me. Here's what he said. If you're ever going to restore a nation, revitalize a civilization, and rescue a generation, it will come two ways. And when I come back, Bishop Hank invites me back. I'll tell you what he said. He said, if you're ever going to restore a nation, revitalize a civilization, rescue a generation, it will come two ways. And what he said shocked me. He said, number one, get ready. Because I preached this in 2000. Get ready. He said... Education. You know where we've lost a generation? Education. Seeking to become wise. We watched while our offspring became fools. If you don't believe that, You've got a mixed up generation when third graders can't tell if they're a boy or a girl. Shh. We let that happen. 
our watch. Now it's not partial birth abortion. Now it's like take the life of the baby after it's born. I know what I'm talking about. I built a women's clinic straight across the street from Planned Parenthood. Anybody else? In other words, I didn't just scream about it. I refused to become another screaming voice. Echoing in an empty chamber. So I built the thing. So far, we've saved 15,000 babies from abortion. One clinic. What if every preacher in here had a clinic? We have a thousand students in our preparatory school. And I promise you, we only have two restrooms and we only teach them that there are two genders. XXXY. That's it. We have to do something more than just celebrate ourselves. Amen. I said, hey, man, open a school, pastor. Open a pro-life women's clinic, pastor's wife. Find a place. Use your Sunday school rooms. You only use them once a week. Start a school. Now, people can receive their Christian worldview-based education from preschool through their bachelor's, accredited bachelor's degree on our campus. I'm, I'm not asking you to applaud me. I'm just saying, let's go do the work. Amen. Our times demand it. Our history compels it. Our future requires it. And more than anything, he that sits on high is still watching. But I had some prayer warriors. Pastor Hank and Miss Brenda. Phil Driscoll. Phil Driscoll played his trumpet for my beautiful bride to walk down the aisle 35 years ago. In a black tuxedo and red high-top tennis shoes. Because he forgot his shoes. And he married the godmother of my children, Miss Darlene Bishop Driscoll. I love you. When I was choking to death on my bedroom floor, I wrote on my little pad, Call Darlene now. And every night and every morning when I get up and I go to bed, 
I go to that spot in the bedroom where Joni held the phone down and let her pray. And God touched me, took cancer out of my body and gave me my life back. Yeah, that's what you call a prayer warrior. That's somebody that knows how to get a hold of the horns of the altar. Somebody shout amen. I said somebody shout amen. The foundational biblical Christianity has been insulted and mocked, renamed, rebranded, neglected, abandoned, and has become just a relic on the ash heap of a culture-pleasing, user-friendly, emerging church, whatever that is. The only thing I see emerging is a mere shadow of the real thing. Frankly, modern pulpit jockeys, misguided in morality, <laughs> if you don't know what sin is, vacate the pulpit, please. Go on a sabbatical, you take five a year anyway. Misguided in morality, deficient in doctrine. Ask the modern so-called believer, how does faith come? Ask them, why do we have a millennium of what? A millennium. The epistles are not the wives of the apostles. And you didn't read the Bible from Job to Malachi. They speak in silly, smiling, juvenile tones about everything and anything except what the head of the church said was of the utmost importance and upon which we should be placing the greatest emphasis. We have the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Shove somebody, tell them, you'll get it on the way home. Shout, put it back, and pick it up. There is a proliferation of preachers professing to be, watch me, Pentecostal. Pentecost is a doctrine, not a denomination. I'm still a tongue-talking Baptist. They never did tell me I wasn't. So I claim them whether they claim me or not. They claim to be Pentecostal, but their poverty of power exposes them and their faux gospel. Gospel preaching and its purpose is not to appease the people and has never been and will never be about collecting a crowd. 
It is entirely possible and biblically probable to have less people and greater effect for the kingdom of God. We've been so busy pulling in the net, we forgot to sort the fish. Instead of preachers talking about how many you got coming, how about we start talking about how many we got going? Am I preaching right yet? I'm just, you know, I'm just trying this thing out. I don't know. I was thinking about trying it full time, but I don't know. Success in life, Sunday morning sermons, are much better suited for a self-help seminar at the local Days Inn. I am not a life coach. Oh, look at you. I'm not your mentor. I am a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized, Pentecostal, gospel preacher. God, give us some more. Entertainment is far higher up on the list of priorities than appealing to eternal souls who are about to split the bowels of hell wide open. The greater tragedy is no one cares. The gift of gab has replaced the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Smooth oratory has supplanted stammering lips possessed by the Holy Ghost proclaiming God's power to save and heal and deliver. Away with your Twitter quips, which are so similar and so trite, they are neither thoughtful nor inspired. Away with political correctness. Or should I say, cowardly correctness. Fearful correctness. We are bold as a lion. It's the wicked that flee when no one pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. Roar in this great arena. Let hell hear you roar. Let sickness and disease and pain and malady, let malfunction and infirmity hear you roar. Away with self-serving strategies of church growth. Away with feel-good talks carefully crafted to please everybody and offend no one. If you're offended, I love you. But I'm offended that you're offended about me being offended about your offense. No, so the gospel, the true, raw, unadulterated, Holy Ghost, fire, baptized, 
gospel proclaimed from the pulpit is not palatable. I wrote a book about the cross. The cross, one man, one tree, one Friday. And do you know what Christian media said to me? You got me, Paul? It's too graphic. Don't talk about the blood. Don't talk about the suffering and the sighing and the crying and the dying. Don't talk about him being swung up between heaven and earth, bleeding by which the very veins of God himself were emptied. Don't talk about the cat of nine tails tearing the flesh off of his back until it hung around his legs like ribbons. Don't talk about him being kicked and prodded and spat upon and beaten in the fist in the face with fists of 614 Roman centurions. Don't talk about the weight of that cross. Don't talk about those nails being driven through sinew and flesh deep into olive wood. No, no. That message So we've removed the cross from its rightful place. Do you remember when a cross once topped the steeple of every church in America? Find one on a modern church. The cross has been done away with. It's too graphic. It's, it's discussions of cosmic justice. Just too much to bear. Well, you just have the wrong opinion. To the Greek, it is so. To the barbarian, it is so. But to those of us who believe, it is that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners like me plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilt and stains what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make us whole again individually in our churches in our nation nothing 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 but the blood of Jesus oh precious is that flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day 
and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.